Welcome into the Harvest Friends. I'm Abigail and I'm here with my good friends Keith and Andrew and we hope to bring you the confidence and clarity you need to be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places of life. Welcome to our 100th podcast episode. What? <laughs> made it. Like some confetti and maybe some like sound effects bah. back. We need all of it. We want all <laughs> the like just sound like celebration a party glitter, going on. Glitter but I everywhere. hear that there is a party going on. Guys, is, is there something there on the table? Yeah, you want to hold this up? Yeah, Keith? let's see. Let's get that on screen. So there. this is uh, my wife, Cindy, decided to make a 100th episode cake. Thank you, Cindy. Um, which none of us oh, knew man. about until about an hour ago. So uh, that's He's the best. I'm telling you, if you guys are not watching this on YouTube, you're, you're missing. <laughs> if you're just listening to this on a podcast, you're really missing yeah some, andrew some is lighting lighting candles um there we go it's really great that i'm not there to blow them out um so that's yes good. that's right yeah <laughs> we, we don't want you blowing on us right now it's true because not only is this our 100th episode not only do we have cake and confetti that zach is going to add in <laughs> in post edit but yeah. but our fearless host abigail you've you've got you're really going above and beyond today got the corona she's yeah, got it true yeah i got it friends it finally happened yeah uh, yeah and yet here you reflect. here you are that's yeah. how dedicated you are to this mission that's how dedicated you are to this community wow. and inspiring even covid 19 will not keep abigail from not only being with us today <laughs> but leading the discussion true. and looking great doing it so true. i don't know i don't know oh, how how you're pulling it off yeah no. <laughs> Where's the roses? Yeah. Go on. I, uh, yeah, I could not miss it. A hundred episodes, you guys. I very clearly remember when Andrew, like, tricked um, Keith and I into doing a podcast for the very first time. I was yep. very nervous. How about you guys? Were you nervous at all? It's a very appropriate word, yeah, Abby. I had no idea how to do a podcast or how the heck we're going to pull it, pull it off. Or I knew we had content. I, I believe in that part. And uh, I try to trust Andrew. You know, I try to God has showed me that that's usually a good idea. So I was definitely nervous, though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is going to fit really well with uh, our main topic on today's show. Yeah, because. Um, I don't. You know, none of us. You guys didn't know. You, you feel like I tricked you into it. But yeah, I was I only maybe we'll like a we'll step or two ahead of you. <laughs> so this thing was sort of coming together. There wasn't a master plan behind uh, this part. Of, really, even behind Into the Harvest, there was an idea and a conviction sure. that um, that God wanted us to step out and um, and move in this direction. But there were not a whole lot of clear details that we were working off of in terms of a script. Um, so the podcast is one of the things that has happened and it's kind of amazing that, uh, this is episode 100 and you guys, uh, even though I tricked you are, uh, are still here. So that's good. That's right. Yeah, that's... And you guys are still listening. So thanks. <laughs> right. Um, we, we do have a couple of pictures. Hopefully, um, Zach will also add those in post-production. We're just really making Zach do a lot. And, uh, <laughs> uh, on this 100th episode. So he gets to eat the cake. It's okay. You know? He gets the that's cake. Right. So. You're welcome, Zach. Um, but I, I brought along a little picture of me doing this podcast in the YMCA parking lot because I would put justice and childcare and do it in the parking lot. And then you guys 
have some pictures of just like hanging mics from various <laughs> thing, tiles you name in it the, yeah. in the in the yeah. living room with towels and right yeah, because really yeah right now of course we're doing this it goes out on apple Podcasts, spotify but it also is going out on youtube so we had to sort of pay attention to how things look but we'll put some of these photos in here of some of the early early days of our recording studio and um one of our great soundproofing techniques for echoes was just to put a bunch of towels down everywhere to try yep. to reduce the uh the echoes that we got from the mic so zach will definitely add in a couple of those photos just for uh nostalgia's sake and you guys can see yeah, the humble so beginnings yeah, and this is why you need to follow us on YouTube because you can see behind the scene pictures. Um, now I have to like put on makeup for this, which is a real drag. <laughs> um, so thanks a lot for that. But um, so that's also why I need you guys to uh, also check us out on YouTube because I put on makeup for you and I feel like I deserve some recognition. <laughs> Um, so thank you everyone for listening to us for a hundred episodes. We are yeah. really humbled and grateful for that. Um, and on that note, let's get into today's episode because we have a listener question to start us off. All right. So our listener question today is how about when you're a Christian in a home where your spouse is an unbeliever, what would we actively, or what should we actively be doing besides praying? without trying to be the Holy Spirit for them? This is a great question. Ooh. So let's jump on in. Keith, why don't you get us started <laughs> with you have, you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I uh, will admit that I am not an expert in this area. Uh, I don't think I have all the answers, but I, ha I did think about it. And when I got the question, I thought it was a really good question. Uh, I'm reading in 1 Corinthians right now, and Paul had a lot to say about uh a believer marrying an unbeliever and how that would work out and how it would work out for the kids. Uh, but the gist of it was that the biggest thing the believer was supposed to be doing uh, during that time was staying faithful to their spouse and praying for them. Uh, I know that seems like, yeah, like there's so much more you could be doing, but I think that that prayer part really does work because you got God working behind the scenes and then also staying faithful to your God and then to your spouse because um, over time, God does work in people's life. So if you haven't seen the movie Case for Christ, I think that's a great example of uh, a believer marrying a non-believer and what happened long term. It was a very long journey, but eventually the husband did come around through her example and a lot of perseverance. So uh, it's going to be more complex, if you ask me. I think it's going to be more complex. When I met my wife, she wasn't a believer uh, or not following Jesus at the time, but uh, here she is, you know, following him today and uh, a lot of prayer, a lot of encouragement from the scriptures, a lot of setting the example, but behind the scenes praying was, was pretty huge for me. So, yeah, I think, um, I know the question actually said besides prayer, but I would just want to yeah. emphasize that that, yep. that prayer is, the, <laughs> I think the, the, the big, the big thing that we have to rely on there Ooh. because God is the one who changes people's hearts. Um, but because they did specifically say besides prayer, there, there's some passages Keith talked about, uh, Corinthians talks about this specific mm -hmm. issue. So that's encouraging. Like this question is not one that we have to only speculate about. We can look to the scriptures and get some some really good guidance. And um, a passage that came to mind for me was First Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 9. And I won't read the whole thing, but I would encourage people and um, this particular listener to... Um, to read and reflect on 
on those verses, 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 9. I'm only going to read the uh, the first verse or two, and it says, uh, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. And I actually just underlined, um, they may be won without a word uh, by the behavior. Because I think this is... Obviously, this is specifically talking to wives who have a husband who is disobedient to the word. Um, but if you are a spouse who's trying to walk in obedience to the Lord and you have a spouse who who is not, then your behavior is really the thing that is in your control. So you can pray for your spouse and then you can live the life yourself that God is calling you to live, which which does not mean it's going to be easy. But um, but you but you can have faith that 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 example and that your obedience is something that your spouse is going to be influenced by um, and that God is going to use to work in in your spouse's heart. So and God wants you to do that anyway. So um, regardless of how your spouse responds to that, uh, it's kind of a win win because it's it's something that we should be doing. And it's it's the best way to try to persuade or to win over, which is the, the language that Peter uses. Um, because I think what, what can, what's so easy for us to default to is our words that we're going to talk our spouse, yeah. you know, into Eloquence. obedience or into having faith. Um, but it really is, I think prayer and I think it's, it's our behavior. So, um, and I've kind of seen that in my own life, like, like Keith, Cindy and I were in different places spiritually in the early years of our relationship and even in the early uh, year or two of our marriage. And um, those were really hard times. And yet I do think that what made the difference was prayer hmm. and and just trying to stay faithful to the person that, that God had called me to be in this case. And I, I believe that God honored that and that he was at work in in my wife's heart throughout that time but abigail what about you what what are your thoughts on this question yeah um i would just so happen to be reading in the gospels today um the parable of the one lost sheep and i thought Mm -hmm. it might be just an encouragement uh to our listeners and especially because i think anyone who's listening to this podcast is probably in a very missional environment or they have caught um a missional a very missional um kind of spirit and so uh it can be difficult when your spouse is not like 100 percent by you um in that and i am i I can't relate personally, but I can only imagine that that's very difficult. And so I was really encouraged today um, by that parable because I think we can get very caught up in just all the things we could be doing for Christ um, and all the ministry we could be doing and all the things that our family could do. And we can often have a very idealistic picture of what our life as a believer should look like. And if your spouse is not on the same page, that can be very frustrating. But I think it's a great thing to remember that the Lord cares about the one. So your spouse, um, if they are not a believer, um, God cares so very much about them that he is willing to give almost an entire life to them. Um, And your example and your love to them is 
is of utmost importance. So uh, mm-hmm. see and acknowledge the important work that you're doing in your marriage. That's hard. That's a really, really hard place to be in. Um, so just uh, in some ways, acknowledge it and be be proud of the work that you are called to do, that you're called to live a life of, of servanthood and a life of example to, and to someone who doesn't yet know Jesus um, and that God is genuinely um, coming after the one. So yeah. uh, I hope that's encouraging. Um, yeah, it's almost it's almost like you're saying, you know, realize that that the big part of your mission is to your spouse. Is that am I yeah. understanding yeah. that right? Yes. Maybe yeah. my COVID brain's not. <laughs> no, no, I thought <laughs> that was good. I, I was getting it, but oh, yeah. I I wouldn't have thought about it. Okay. I mean, a reference Thank to you, you that was good. Like, just really making it clear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel that way that like you're you're you have like your person that yes. um, we talk a lot about, um, you know, relationship networks uh, where, you know, you're praying for these people that God's put in your life that aren't believers yet. If your spouse isn't a believer yet, man, you've got one giant <laughs> person mm-hmm. at the top of your list yep. to be praying for and, you know, mm-hmm. living for. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Those are good answers. I hope that was encouraging. And if you are listening and think, boy, I really want Andrew and Keith and Abigail to answer my question, you can. All you have to do is send your question to info at intotheharvest.org, and we will answer your question on a later show. So um, go and do that right after you finish listening to the rest of our episode. Because today we are talking, I think really it is the perfect topic for our 100th episode. It's what to do when you don't know what to do. Mm. Um, I love this topic. Um, I like to pretend I know what I'm doing, but 99% of the time I do not know what I'm doing. So I'm very excited to hear from you guys um, and just get into the conversation about what we do. Uh, when we don't know what we're doing in ministry specifically. And I think, um, especially in house churches, in ministry that's very much in the harvest, so we're outside of the church bubble, um, we are often on the ground and don't have someone telling us what to do. Uh, And about 99% of the time, I don't know what we should be doing. So this happens a lot in our ministry. And the older I get the more I realize that I don't know very much. So I am excited to get you guys' perspective on this. And also, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but is it just me? Am I the only one who doesn't know what I'm doing? <laughs> guys? Um, no, no. Actually, that's that's actually something that comes to my mind right away is um, maybe just having the right mindset uh, because I think, you know, people talk a lot about uh, imposter syndrome. I don't know if people, you guys may or may not have heard that phrase. I've heard the term, yeah. But I think it's just the reason why it's it's in such common use is because pretty much everyone has it. Everyone feels like everyone else knows what they're doing, but they don't really know what they're doing. So they feel like an imposter. But th- the the thing is, if there's a room with 10 people, you know, everyone thinks that the other nine have it figured out. And the reality is that you know, all 10 people don't have it figured out and feel like they're the only one. So I guess that's one of the things that, um, that immediately came to my mind as you were sharing there, Abigail, is that, um, I think just understanding that this is the norm. The norm is to feel like you're in a little bit over your head 
and that you don't know exactly what to do next. In mm -hmm. fact, I would say that, that that just comes with the territory of walking by faith and not by sight. So when Jesus calls us to, to follow him and when he calls us to join him in his work, it's a call to go on an, an adventure. And uh, a true adventure is one that has <laughs> risks and unknowns and, and surprises and twists and turns. And really that's the life of faith, the life of, of following Jesus and the life of learning how to help other people follow him um, is going to always feel like we're out of our depth. And so even for us, I think um, I've been working on the website and I'm, I'm trying to write uh, the history of ITH, just a short paragraph or two. And I was trying to figure out how many combined years in the harvest that we have. I think it's pretty close to 50. I'm doing my part to bring that number up because <laughs> um, I'm the old guy here. But the, the reality is I still feel like, hey, I, I'm not real sure what the next step is. Like those of you who get my prayer updates know like, that's one of the things I'm asking you to pray for right now is, hey, Cindy yeah. and I are in some new territory and we're not sure exactly how it's supposed to look. So, yeah, just this is the norm. If you're following Jesus and you're joining him in his work, um, you're going to feel like you don't necessarily know exactly what the plan is. True. But what about you, Keith? What? What were your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I really wanted to be the contrarian here uh, because in the notes it said, I think the older you get, the more you realize you, what you don't know or how much you don't know and stuff like that. And uh, I was like, I want to be the contrarian on that one because uh, I do feel like- so young. <laughs> and he's got it figured out. <laughs> no, no. Well, just, just because I feel like uh, you're supposed to keep learning. Like, I feel like- yeah. You know, some of those lessons I learned in the past, like, thank God I'm going to have to learn what I learned in my 20s again, you know, like, um, right. it's almost like, man, the further you go in life, the more you want to know so that you realize, like, how far you can take it, you know, because, uh, you know, that statement about being like a life term, life term longer, leader, lifetime learner, <laughs> life term learner. Yeah, there you go. That's the phrase right there. Yeah, that's what I want to be. Like, of course you want to be that. Uh, but at, at some point you got to learn, like you got to build up on what you already have. And uh, the passage that I kept thinking about was in second Peter, where he says, do all these things to add to your faith. And if you, if you're, if you have these qualities and you're increasing in them, uh, then they'll do you well, you know? So uh, yeah, I, I do want to be increasing, but yeah, I, no way I have it all figured out. There's, I think that's obvious, you know? So uh, I was uh, really late to the podcast today, guys. And uh, it's one of those things where, like you said, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do, but you learn over time to rely on God. Uh, when Peter and the guys face this, it says that they learn not to rely on themselves, but on God who raises the dead, you know? So when you get to those vulnerable points and you don't know what to do, that's a great opportunity to tap into power that you don't have. Like you can really rely on God. So, uh, yeah, I want to I want to keep learning from my past as I get older and and hopefully hold on to those uh, lessons so I don't have to relearn them and keep learning them. Yeah, I hope that I hope that uh, came together all right. No, that was great, and I think um, it shows your good character that you see the positive in it. I think I have always struggled with um, being kind of a perfectionist, so if I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, that I'm going to probably not do great and. I'm constantly scoring myself. Mm -hmm. um, I just realized this not long ago, um, just during some 
house church stuff. It just all kind of compiled all at once. And there was just a lot going on in our ministry. And I was feeling very dejected and, um, and discouraged. And I like, I realized that I was grading myself, like that I was like giving mm-hmm. myself a full on grade. True. I wasn't passing by the way. I was <laughs> <laughs> but I realized that like, God was like saying to me, you know, I'm like, I don't grade you on like what other people do or, or even on yourself, mm-hmm. thankfully. So, um, I think it's just a good reminder for me. Um, one, that other people also don't know what they're doing, but True. two, like you were saying, Keith, um, it's actually really wonderful when we don't know what we're doing because it really does allow us to rely on Christ in a a much deeper uh, way. So uh, that kind of segues us really well into our next question, which just is what, you know, what kind of scripture passages do you think of when this kind of comes up in your own life, when you're kind of have hit the end of your own knowledge and you've oh, run man. out, you've tapped out. Um, what are the the kind of the passages that you guys uh, turn to? And we didn't really like pick who was going to go first here. Oh, I've got you, this one. You got this one, Andrew? Okay. Like, no, like you were ready too. Bro. Yeah, we're, we're both ready. Go ahead, bro. You got it. We're all ready. Well, this is one that that's actually been encouraging me this year. So it's definitely like very, very easy for me to, to answer this one. It's out of Second Chronicles chapter 20. So it's an Old Testament story. Oh, man, he did it. He got it. Yes. That's never happened. That's never happened on this podcast. Is this really your verse? Is it 12? Yeah, verse 12. Oh, dang. Hey, you can take it if you want. Oh, my gosh. Verse face off. Isn't it? Isn't it great? It's, it's super so encouraging. Good. Biblical Mortal Kombat. Well, go ahead and set the, set the table for us. Well, I'll, I'll set the table and then you go can ahead. like bring it home. I'll do the alley okay, You can slam dunk. <laughs> yeah. So in this story, you've got you've got a one of the few good kings um, for the southern kingdom of Judah, and he's done everything right. And this is one thing that that I love about this is that Jehoshaphat he's he's gone out of his way to bring the people back to God. And after all these acts of faithfulness, um, he gets invaded by an overwhelming enemy army. Like there's no way that he's going to be able to, to meet this invading army and, and fight them off. And so, um, he's really faced with this crisis and he's the King. So everyone's looking to him to deal with this invasion that that's coming his way. And he really deals with it in a uh, in a unique way. So he actually calls the people together to to pray and to seek the Lord. So that's his that's his solution to this military threat is is to admit that he doesn't have the um, the forces as the king to deal with this threat. And not only that, but he doesn't even really have a plan other than hey, let's all come together and uh, and seek the Lord. So verse 12 is really kind of the finale of his prayer. And so what is it that, that you're encouraged by with, uh, with that verse, Abby? Well, the first half of the verse is good because he just lays out the problem before the Lord. And I think there's just a lot of comfort in that, of that we can just tell God the problem. Like we can tell him about how big the enemy forces are. Um, I kind of see it as complaining a little bit, um, which is great. I think like, it's okay. We can complain a little bit to God of just how big our problem seems. And then he says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, Lord. Um, and I love it. It's so good. Um, <laughs> I, I actually had it as my like 
my background on my phone for a really long time because <laughs> um it was like there was that pressing of a prayer that i felt um for a, an right. extended period of time where i and it, it still is right mm -hmm. i mean it's still every day we don't know what to do but our eyes are on right. you so um, I, I think it also just puts that emphasis on God in such a strong way, um, that we're admitting that we don't know what we're doing. So we're admitting the truth there to God. And then we're also just really, I, I think it's just a beautiful wording actually. Um, just our eyes are on God that we're just looking to him, um, and not looking to other solutions, which can be very common. And for all of us is very tempting to look for another solution. Um, right. But uh, by having that posture of looking to God is this really beautiful picture of how we should be. So I agree, yeah. Andrew, it's the best. <laughs> well, I hope you have a different version. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, let, me, let me, before we move off, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead. one thing that he yeah. says it, in my in my Bible, he also he says we are powerless. We are powerless um, before this great multitude and, and then he says we don't know what to do so that that really encourages <laughs> me because he acknowledges both those things that that he doesn't have the power to address this and he doesn't even know how to address it um so that that like you said earlier like you can f oftentimes you can feel like it's all on you and maybe subconsciously even you can buy into this idea that you're being graded or that this is a pass fail, you know, ministry, which is really kind of what what can hold a lot of people back from stepping out in faith, mm -hmm. sharing their faith, trying to make disciples is they fear that they're going to fail when the reality is, you know, ministry is it's walking by faith. If you're walking by faith, then that's that's the mission. It's, it's not a pass fail type thing where you're going to be uh, graded for um, the results <laughs> you're learning as you go. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. Um, he's calling us to, I have a, um, a little quote that, that I put out on Twitter <laughs> recently that, that when we, when we call people, um, to, to be disciples and to walk by faith, you know, we're not, we're not training them to, to walk on water. You know, we're training them to get out of the boat. And I, it may sound like yeah. that's the same thing, but it's not. Like if you feel like good point. you're only successful at making disciples if the people actually walk on water, then you're putting that on yourself, that you have the ability to teach someone how to, how to walk on water. But that's not it. The, the mission is to teach people to step out of the boat, to teach them to trust God. That That's really what we're trying to do. But... Keith, you've been quiet for a while. Sorry, man. <laughs> no, nah, it's all good, man. No, yeah. your time. I, uh, I'm kind of glad that happened because Zach was telling us beforehand to uh, talk about our game plan, and, and we kind of took it lightly. And then these two come up with the same verse. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny, I think. <laughs> that fell back on our head. So, I I, you have to keep it fresh, right? So I, I have a different verse. I have a different verse. Uh, <laughs> it's a... Uh, it starts off with Psalm uh, 56 and it's verses three and four. And uh, I'll try to talk about how it manifests itself. But it says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in God and God, I trust whose word I praise. What can man do to me? Um, I think that's just such a powerful verse. Like uh, when you're overwhelmed by your circumstances or by people or you, you name it, like uh, 
man, you can put your trust in God. So I think that's a go-to. And where I see that like manifesting itself is in First Samuel. Uh, I probably talked about this on an earlier podcast, but similar to you, Abby, I had this phone on my screen uh, for a long time. Like I used to always look at that promise, but it was when David was in Ziklag and the, his world upside, turned upside down. He couldn't rely on his family. His friends wanted to kill him because they wanted to stone him. And, uh, you know, his, his, he was overcome with emotion, you know, it says that he cried until he couldn't cry anymore. But he strengthened himself in the Lord as God. And then he prayed, you know, that was the next thing he did. So that's always been a go-to for me because it didn't say how he strengthened himself or what he did. But the fact is, is that he ran to the Lord in that moment and it was really special. So, um, yeah, I did not go with a, uh, a verse from Chronicles, guys, but uh, I do like that one in Psalm 56, so. I thought we came up with some good ones. <laughs> thanks, Keith. And thanks for uh, coming up with a different biblical passage. <laughs> it's funny. It's a whole Bible full of good stuff, and we went for the same one. But, you know, it's 100 <laughs> episodes, so that's what we do here. Um, uh, so we are going to head into maybe some practical advice. So if you guys have any practical advice that you would give someone listening, maybe a newer disciple who, um, you know, is going to definitely run up against this at some point. What are the kind of the things you do in your own life um, to kind of help you through these moments where you don't know what to do? Yeah, that was, uh, say that one more time, that last part, Abby, because uh, I got that. I want to make sure I'm giving the right answer on this one. Okay, so practical advice mm -hmm. for what, when you come. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Do you have COVID? I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Work harder, Abby. Work harder. Uh, I'm sweating. That was totally on me. Sorry, Abby. You said that really well. And I was like, here, let me jump in. Um, so practical advice on for, for young believers on what to do when, when they don't know what to do, which is going to be on the regular. Yep. So, so one thing I would say is if at all possible, you know, guided experience is the best teacher. And so all of us, if, again, if you listen to the show, you know that we're very big on generational ministry. If you can find mm -hmm. someone who's down the road from where you're at, then you should really take advantage of that person. Like you should, you should take advantage of that opportunity and reach out to that person and learn from them because that's really the way God designed life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why God gives us parents because he doesn't expect the kid to necessarily figure everything out on their own. Um, you know, we, we need people who are older than us in the faith to help us. And so it's, it's guided experience, but you still need the experience as well. And so you have to be willing to move forward just like in any, anything else. If, if you've never ridden a bike, then your parents can, can guide you in that learning process, but mm -hmm. you know, you have to be the one who's on the bike um, actually risking, you know, skinned up knees and broken arms and whatever else it might take to learn how to ride that bike and walking by faith, making disciples is the same way. If you've got someone who's further along than you, um, then learn from them, but realize you, you still have to take action. You still have to learn how to share your faith. You still have to read your Bible. You still have to reach out to others. Um, so the, the experience is there, but if you can have guided experience and go for that. If you don't have anyone, which hopefully that's not the case for you, 
then then still go with the experience. So um, try to find someone who is a peer who's also um, unsure of what to do because misery loves company. So at least in that case, you can be learning together that's and trusting good. God yeah, together. No, that's good. Um, and again, it's it's kind of an adventure. Um, in this scenario, like with Into the Harvest, we're definitely, we're all learning as we go. We don't necessarily have others that, that are showing us how to do this side True. of ministry. But it's, it's um, we, can, we can laugh when um, things don't go right. <laughs> Or we can cry together when things don't go right. Um, so misery loves company. Find someone to partner with. I would say. Yeah, no, that's good, Andrew. I uh, man, I was thinking of too many practical things. I was like, all right, let me let me let me nail this down. But I did get some practical Andrew uh, advice advice from Andrew a couple of years ago, and uh, he was talking about how a ship is hard to turn when it's sitting still. So it makes it easier when a ship is moving to turn it if it's moving in a direction. So it's pretty much saying, hey, get moving, like move in a direction, make a decision and uh, let God redirect your steps uh, because God is able to do that, but not while you're sitting still. So I think that's uh, really huge. I liked your mm -hmm. uh, advice about finding someone who's older or a peer, but at least you're moving towards something so that if God needs to redirect you, at least he can uh, while you're moving. But yeah, you can't do it alone. Like uh, none of us are, are uh, meant to be alone. And I'm not saying that, you know, that doesn't mean there aren't people with the gift of singleness or that aren't doing great work for the kingdom. But I'm just talking about like, even if it's companionship, but like a brother to walk with or a sister to walk with, like uh, don't, don't try to go at it alone because um, yeah, it's just not worth it. It's not. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing that we have found really useful when we really hit those, like very serious, we don't know what to do situations. We usually have to fast, which mm. is not a fun answer to mm. give. And I really am not a huge fan of having to do it, but it's <laughs> why it's so good. <laughs> um, and I think that the, the purpose for fasting there is um, to just really um, kind of put yourself in that lower position of showing God um, that you have really decrease so that he can increase which we already know that we're so little and tiny especially yeah. when we don't know what to do um but by fasting we're really putting christ first and we're really seeking him um, and showing him by whatever we're fasting from that we're serious that we really want to hear from him um every time that we have fasted and um about big things little things um the lord has really showed up in a huge way um and it's so encouraging because we know that it can only be God, right? That only he can do the work. He, he's the only one who can like fix the problem. He's the only one who can show us the way to go. He's the only one who can heal broken hearts. I mean, he is, he really is the answer to all the questions. Hmm. So it's not, um, yeah. And I think I tend to run to people um, for the answer. And a lot of times that's a great gift that the Lord has given us, but um, if you are alone or if you uh, feel like you don't have anyone to run to for the answer, we do have the ultimate answer giver. So uh, we can always run to Christ as well. So um, those are great, great practical advice, guys. I hope everyone was encouraged by this topic. Um, if you were out there needing an answer to a big problem and you don't know what to do, don't worry. We've been there. <laughs> and... Uh, we might be there now. Just keep it up. Sure. We, yeah. we really might be. We might be. Spoiler <laughs> alert. We're there. <laughs>
All right. So today's faith and culture topic is um, all those great personality tests that you take. What Enneagram are you? What's your Mass Briggs? <laughs> what color are you? I don't even know what that one is. Do you guys know what your no, color is? No, that was. Uh, my favorite is. That's a thing. Like churches have an entire like Bible study on like what your color is. Oh man. I don't know. No. I think I'm a yellow, but I have no idea. <laughs> um, all I have to say is it kind of maybe it seems like a silly joke, but it does seem like Christians love a good personality test. We yeah. love putting ourselves in a box. We love doing a giftings quiz. <laughs> So we're going to talk about the good and the bad of this. Uh, we're not necessarily saying it's terrible by any means. So we want to cover the good and the bad of this particular Christian cultural phenomenon. We all took an Enneagram test, didn't we, guys? We did. <laughs> we did, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think yeah. we even made Zach take one, even though he refused to give us when he was. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's just jump right into it. What do you guys think? Um, what are the, we'll start with the pros. What are mm -hmm. the pros? Yeah, I think there's some pros for sure. I, I haven't been up on the latest, so I know my Enneagram, but I'm not sure how it all works. Uh, I, I need to look into that one a little bit more and I don't know what color I am. Uh, sorry guys, identity crisis there, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not caught up on that one, but Myers-Briggs, I, uh, I do know that one. I am an ENFP, and I guess sometimes I test it as an ESFP, so um, I'm not sure how those vary. Okay, ENFP, interesting. Let's <laughs> go with this. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, one of the things that was helpful is I found something that said the 25 tendencies of an ENFP, and one of them was, uh, it was very deep. It says, trying to convince the people closest to you that, yes, you absolutely, absolutely love everybody but you love them the most, you know, because they kind of feel like because you're so loving, like, you know, you're, you're, you're stealing love away. So that was helpful because it made me uh, be aware of that. So that was one. I thought that was really good. And then the second one was that uh, our personality type needs a lot more introverted time than other extroverts. And uh, that was fascinating to me. Um, so I, I think there's a pro to that one, just knowing how to pace myself without burning out. So that's that's pros for me. That's helped me over time. Yeah, for me, I think Abigail, the the pros would be, it's a starting point. Like it's interesting, mm -hmm. and um, it's a starting point to to try to understand how why you do what you do and why other people don't do what you do, and that actually can be revolutionary for a lot of us um, when you begin to realize, like, hey, I'm looking at this situation, and you know, my wife or my best friend or this other person is looking at the same situation and they, they see it completely different. Why are they so messed up? And so it can, it can help you understand that, Hey, people are different and how they're different. Yeah. So I, I do think it's just a great starting point for a conversation about what makes people different. Um, and I also think it just gives uh, handles or words, language, um, that can be helpful, like extrovert, introvert, mm -hmm. start to, you know, you can contrast different, different aspects to it. So I would say that, that those are good. Those are good pros. We yeah. did a, um, we had a, a friend take our group through, um, a personality training, and this was our leadership group here in San Diego. And it was pretty eye opening just to kind of, he had some great exercises that he took us through yeah. that really did kind of help us appreciate 
how different we were because you just sort of assume that even if someone's a little bit different, it's just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then you realize like, oh, no, they they see it really different than I see it. So I think that those are all helpful. What about you? Yeah, I um, I'm not a feeler uh, at all. And uh, <laughs> and so sometimes I for sure, like just I just assume like what people are thinking or feeling um, and I get it wrong. What? Mm. <laughs> and so it's very helpful just to be reminded <laughs> that people are different, like you were saying, Andrew. Um, so it's been a really, it can be a very useful tool, like you said, a starting off point to kind of just get a general idea of like what this person might struggle with, um, what are the things that they're really good at. Um, it's just like a quick snapshot of what this person might be about. My, I, I'm, I told you guys last episode, that I was in a book club and my book club is like super into the Enneagram. So they're constantly talking about it. Um, and so that's really funny because now I know a whole lot about um, myself being a three. Uh, and it's not great. There's nothing good about it's me. It's not great. The world is a, the world is a point. So that's the, that's the negative is that you learn bad stuff about yourself. Um, but in all seriousness, um, I think I'm just going to segue us into the negatives um, is that we tend to have uh, we can get really, really sucked into it and we can start to like have literal Bible studies based <laughs> off of Enneagram yeah. numbers and we can just. Um, or like giftings, like I'm a prophet. So that just means I get to be super rude. You know, like <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like we can use it as a crutch, True. you know, right. like I can just say that this is um, my personality. This is my giftings. And you just kind of get the good and the bad. Um, and so I don't necessarily um, have to work on, on myself. Um, so that can be a negative thing that can happen um, that we tend to turn these kind of cultural phenomenons are really not necessarily based in biblical truth, even though God made all of us. So it's all there. Mm -hmm. But um, we uh, can really get away from working on our hearts and and becoming the best we can be uh, sanctified in Christ rather than just, you know, being an Enneagram 3 or a ESTJ or whatever I am. <laughs> So, and a profit. So lots of great things to work on. And I do think that um, I can easily just get into the fun of it and not um, really actually work on myself or um, even with my friends, like putting them into boxes. So anything else you guys can think of that might be some, some things to look out for on this trend? Yeah, I think I've seen people try to figure out Jesus through the personality tests and the Enneagrams and saying he was... Mm -hmm definitely this and uh yeah yeah you can just box people up like you were saying abby you know i know that even for me i feel like uh it's easy to box somebody in and be like oh that's just because they're this you know it's like oh that's just them you know because they're this so uh i think that's when we put too much confidence and faith and not enough wiggle room that people can grow develop change uh because god's that big uh, i think that part is very real so just not uh, boxing people in because we know now what they're uh, what they're testing us yeah right yeah that's that's what comes to my mind as well is it can just it's a, like like we said with the pros it can be a great starting point to understand differences but then you really the, the best way to go deeper in that i think is to get to know the actual person to not make those assumptions that if, if they're a certain number or a certain color um, or a certain type 
that now you yeah. understand them. Um, and then the same thing that you said, Abigail, I, I do think that another real con or negative can be that we, we excuse ourselves from having to grow in certain areas because this is just the way I am. This, and maybe even more like this is the way God made me. So this is just who I am and um, I can't help it. So I, those can definitely be um, negatives as well as just becoming weirdly obsessed with um, whether it's Enneagram or Myers-Briggs, like we can just really, people can really go deep into these things so that it's, it's like the, the whole, it's a filter they see humanity through and the world through which um i think is taking it too far yes absolutely so friends who are listening if you might have thoughts and opinions on uh on our thoughts here <laughs> or if you just want to tell us what your anagram is and then we'll judge you um based on that even though we may not know you i'm just kidding um you can always contact us um info at intotheharvest.org or on this episode if you're on youtube uh please leave us comments over on apple podcast and just wish us a happy 100th episode by sharing <laughs> yeah. this podcast with Do a friend it. we'll see you next time thanks you guys see you bye Abby. thanks for being part of our community if you find this podcast valuable there are many ways you can support it you can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. Or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible.